Long History The Southern United States in the 1500s, Part 24 Newly Given Life in Panuco Hello to regular listeners and new listeners and welcome to episode 24 of Long History's The Southern United States in the 1500s. At Long History we like to break down source documents from history into 10 minute chunks, but this isn't the place for summaries and brief histories, this is Long History, so we'll give you every single word in that document, in as many episodes as it takes. So we're on to episode 24 of a 25 part series here. But for any new listeners, this is a text describing an expedition from the mid-1500s to explore large parts of the southerly United States. The document covers Florida to Arkansas and most of the states in between. Hernando de Soto was the man who initially headed the expedition, which began in April 1538, but by this point in the document it was headed by a man called Luis de Moscoso. This document was written by a man who took part in the whole expedition, he was Portuguese and was known as the Gentleman of Elvers. As stated, there's only one more episode to go in this series, so please subscribe to be informed of when that's released. And the other 23 episodes have already been released, so I'm sure they're just a few clicks and taps and scrolls away. And so as this episode begins, the expedition have left the US mainland after four years there. They are now sailing down the Gulf Coast, making their way to Spanish-speaking lands. In particular, they're making their way to a frontier town known as Panuco on today's maps, but which is called Panico in this text, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce that. As this episode begins, however, they are still making their way down the Gulf Coast. So here we go with episode 24 of the Southern United States in the 1500s, Newly Given Life in Panuco. After remaining two days, they resumed their voyage, and having run likewise two days, they entered an arm of the sea and landed. Spending there a couple of days, they left, six men on the last day having gone up the bay in a canoe without finding its head. The brigantines went out in a headwind blowing from the south, which, being light, and the people having a strong desire to hasten the voyage, they pulled out by strength of arm to sea with great toil. And making little headway for two days, they entered by an arm of the sea behind an islet which it encircles, where followed such bad weather that they were not unmindful to give thanks for that good shelter. Fish abounded there. They were taken in nets and with the line. A man having thrown out a cord made fast to his arm, a fish caught at the hook and drew him into the water up to the neck, when, remembering a knife that he had providentially kept, he cut himself loose. At the close of the fourteenth day of their stay, the Almighty having thought proper to send fair weather, the Christians very devoutly formed a procession for the return of thanks, in which, moving along the beach, they supplicated him that he would take them to a land in which they might better do him service. Chapter 41. How the Christians arrived at the river Panico. Wheresoever the people dug along the shore, they found fresh water. The joys being filled, and the procession concluded, they embarked, and, going ever in sight of land, they navigated for six days. Juan de Añasco said it would be well to stand directly out to sea, for that he had seen the card, and remembered that, from Rio de Palmas onward, the coast ran south and up to that time they had gone westwardly. According to his opinion, by the reckoning he kept, the river could not be distant from where they were. That night they ran out, and in the morning they saw palm trees rising above the water, the coast trending southwardly, and from midday forward great mountains appeared, which had nowhere been seen until then. For to that place, from the port of Espiritu Santo, where they had entered Florida, was a low, level shore not discoverable at sea until very near. From what they observed, 
they thought that during the night they had passed the Rio de Palmas, 60 leagues distant from Panico in New Spain, so they consulted together. Some were of the opinion that it would not be well to sail in the dark, lest they should overrun the Rio de Panico, others that they could not be so near as to run by it that night, and that it would not be well to lose a favourable wind, so they agreed to spread half the sails and keep on their way. Two of the brigantines, which ran with all sail up, at daylight passed the river without seeing it. Of the five that remained behind, the first that arrived was the one Calderon commanded, from which, when a quarter of a league off, and before the entrance had been discovered, the water was observed to be thick and found to be fresh. Coming opposite the river, they saw where the waves broke upon a shoal, at the entrance into the sea, and, not anyone knowing the place, they were in doubt whether they should go in there or pass by. But finally, having agreed to enter, they approached the shore without getting into the current, and went in the port, where no sooner had they come than they saw Indians of both sexes in the apparel of Spain. Asking in what country they were, they received the answer, in their own language, that it was the Rio de Panico, and that the town of the Christians was fifteen leagues inland. The pleasure that all received at this news cannot be sufficiently expressed. They felt as though a life had been newly given them. Many, leaping on shore, kissed the ground, and all on bended knees with hands raised above them and their eyes to heaven, remained untiring in giving thanks to God. Those who were coming astern, when they saw that Calderon with his brigantine had anchored in the river, directly steered to enter the port. The other two, which had gone by, tried to run to sea, that they might put about and join the rest, but could not, the wind being adverse and the sea fretful. So, fearing that they might be lost, they came neither land and cast anchor. A storm came up, and finding that they could not sustain themselves there, much less at sea, they determined to run on shore, and as the brigantines were small, drawing but little water, and the beach sandy, the force of the wind on the sails carried them up dry, without injury to anyone. If those who gained the haven at that time were made happy, these were oppressed by a double weight of gloom, not knowing what had happened to their companions, nor in what country they were, fearing, likewise, that it might be one of a hostile people. They had come upon the coast two leagues below the port. So soon as they found themselves clear of the sea, each took on the back what he could carry of his things, and, travelling inland, they found Indians, who told whence they were, and changed what was sorrow into joy. The Christians rendered many thanks to God for having rescued them from those numberless perils. Chapter 42 How the Christians came to Panico, and of their reception by the inhabitants. From the time the Christians left the River Grande, to come by sea from Florida to the River of Panico, were fifty-two days. On the 10th day of September of the year 1543, they entered the Panico, going up with the brigantines. In the many windings taken by the stream, the light wind was often unfavourable, and the vessels in many places made slow headway, having to be towed with much labour against a strong current, so that, after having sailed four days, the people, discovering themselves greatly retarded in the desire to get among Christians, and of taking part in the divine offices, which for a long season had not been listened to by them, they gave up the brigantines to the sailors and went on by land to Panico. Just as the Christians arrived at the town, in their clothing of deerskin, dressed and dyed black, consisting of frock, hose and shoes, they all went directly to the church, 
to pray and return thanks for their miraculous preservation. The townspeople, having already been informed of their coming by the Indians and now knowing of the arrival, invited some to their houses and entertained them for acquaintance sake or for having heard of them or because they came from the same parts of country with themselves. The alcalde mayor took the governor home with him. The rest, as they came up, he directed to be lodged by sixes and tens according to the means of individuals who provided their guests with abundance of fowls and maizen bread and with the fruits of the country, which are like those of Cuba, already described. The town of Panico might contain some 70 housekeepers. The dwellings were chiefly of stone and mortar, some were of poles, and all of them thatched with grass. The country is poor. No gold or silver is to be found. Residents have the fullest supply both of food and servants. The most wealthy have not an income above 500 cruzados annually, which is tribute paid by their Indian vassals in cotton clothing, fowls and maize. Of the persons who got back from Florida, there landed at that port 311 Christians. The alcalde mayor directly sent townsmen by post to inform the viceroy, who resided in Mexico, of the arrival of 300 of the men who had gone with Don Hernando de Soto in the discovery and conquest of Florida, and, for their being in the service of the king, that he would make provision for their support. Don Antonio Mendoza was greatly amazed at this news, as were all others of that city, for the people having entered far into Florida, they had been considered lost, nothing being heard from them in a long while and it appeared to him to be a thing impossible that without a fortress to which they might betake themselves, or support of any sort, that they should have sustained themselves for such a length of time among the heathen. He immediately gave an order, directing that subsistence should be given them wheresoever it might be needed, and the Indians found requisite for carrying their burdens, and should there be refusal, to take by force, without incurring any penalty, whatsoever should be necessary. The mandate was so well obeyed that on the road, before the people had arrived at the towns, the inhabitants went out to receive them, bringing fowls and provisions. The expedition has finally made it back to Spanish-speaking territory. 311 Christians of the initial 600 made it all the way to Panico, with the first leader of the expedition, Hernando de Soto, being amongst those who didn't make it to the end. As we leave this episode, the remaining expedition members are leaving the frontier town of Panico and are heading back into the Spanish-speaking heartland. In the final episode of this document, we will hear about their reception. So that's the end of another episode by Long History. As you've made it this far, please don't forget to give it a like before you move on. As we said, this is the 24th episode of a 25-part series, so there's only one more to go to complete the set. Thank you for listening to the Southern United States in the 1500s, part 24, newly given life in Panuco. Goodbye.